0: For those of you who are new, uh, you know, we just had a baby and then we took him to Japan and then, you know, because that's where my wife's from and... uh and then we we were there. I was there for a couple of weeks and it just seems like I haven't been here in many many weeks. So it is so good to see you, just to get the worship. But today we get to celebrate this festival together. I mean, I'm just so stoked and just to see your faces um, and uh, so you know, I just coming back from Japan and I guess I'm a little jet lagged, but I guess also I'm a little, you know, kind of Japan easy, you know? I'm like I, I I I just came <laughs> back. So I was, I wanted to ask you a question. So, like, I'm thinking about this. So, who do you think is, like, the most famous Japanese person in the world today? Any, any, any ideas? Any, any? Come on. Otani. Okay. Who else? Who else? Who? 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 A- Abe. Okay. Prime Minister Abe. Who else? who else? Who else do you know? Maybe if you're, like, non-Japanese and maybe you know this person, maybe that's what you could... Ah, oh, man. He's... He's... Come on, come on, Ichiro. Okay, all right. The uh, the last service mentioned this, somebody mentioned Komari. You know Komari, the condo Maria, oh, like yeah. the cleaning person. But in my opinion, in my opinion, this is the guy that and no picture yet. But you know the guy who stuck a pen into an apple and says, "Oh, right, P P A P, and all of a sudden it became this huge thing. His name is Pico Taro. Okay. And then um this guy um is probably I mean just looking at the YouTube like count I mean he became a sensation overnight. Everybody's singing and I can't get this song out of my mind. I'm finally it's been away so I'm glad. But then this guy just released a new single last week, okay? And, uh, and actually, and I just happened to like run into this song. I don't follow him or anything, but I just happened to run into it. And actually, that song has this sobering truth. It actually contains a truth that is extremely biblical. <laughs> but it you might not believe it when you see the picture, but this is a song that he wrote. It's called Everyone Must Die. And he's like, that's him. You see his okay. Okay. But, but I wouldn't say that's biblical. But the message in itself, everybody must die. It is something that we all face, right? I mean, we cannot overcome death. No matter how hard we try. And that's been the quest for humanity, like, what is after death? Like, what happens after death? And some of you might be wondering today, like, wait, what is exactly Jesus saying about death and after death? And what does that look like? And just, like, just looking around the world, even to, like, the media, and that's on people's mind. They're concerned. And and I know you felt that way. I know many people in this world felt that way. And now what do we, what does the Bible teach us after death, and Jesus shared today this incredible image from today 's passage that we 're going to read from Luke that is about this life after death, and he uses this parable or the story of this great banquet can you imagine this party this big old banquet with god the host and that is exactly the image that jesus brings out today and we're going to look into it and we want to make sure that we understand the heart behind why jesus shared this story to the audience that day in jerusalem or near jerusalem and we want to know how the heart behind this message, so that, so that, this is important, we get to be filled with the hope that we will one day be welcomed into that banquet of God. And that's exactly, And if, if, if that's not on your mind, if that's something that is just like complete away, then that's what we're going to talk about today. And I hope you can engage with that idea of God's banquet. So this journey that we're on, Luke, we've been looking at from chapter 1 all the way. Now we're into chapter 13. And so far in the, around chapter 9, Jesus is moving from Galilee to Jerusalem. This is the path, the way to the cross. And he, he started out His ministry in Galilee. He's healing people. He's touching people. And now and He's proclaiming the message of the kingdom of God and the repentance. That is what He's calling people to do. And now He's going toward Jerusalem. What is waiting in Jerusalem? is his death the cross is waiting for him and now he is going to Jerusalem and day by day chapter by verse by verse it is getting nearer to the cross of in Jerusalem and now we look at this dialogue between between People in Jesus. They're talking from this chapter 13 and all the way to chapter 17. Many conversations, many dialogues about who gets to enter the kingdom of God, who gets to participate in the kingdom. That's the focus of these next four chapters. And one of the people around Jesus that was with him kind of popped the question that everybody was wondering. He says in verse 23, well, I'll already from verse 22, Luke chapter 13, 22, I'm going to read this. Then, Jesus went through the town and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. He's getting close to his death. Now, verse 23, someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Basically, he's asking, or this person is asking, so, Jesus, who gets to go to heaven after death? Come on, tell us. What's the secret? I mean, that's actually the question that every one of us throughout generations and generations has thought about. What is it that how do we get into heaven? What is it waiting after death? And Jesus replies in verse 24, He said to them, this is what He says, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Wow. In verse 25, once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us, but he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Wow, that's pretty tough. Why was Jesus so tough? And I think we have to really look at the context and the, who was actually listening or asking these. And we have to acknowledge that this are, these are Jewish leaders who are following the law, who are who's seeking a Messiah. And now he's asking, so Jesus, what is it? What's the key to heaven? And this is Jesus answering to them. So you've got to understand that there's this Jewish people who's asking these questions who all felt that they must have the key. Now Jesus is responding, and he doesn't give an in he gives an indirect answer, don't you think he says he kind of talks about another concept, but this indirect answer gives us incredible direction for all of us and how we live our life. He says, "Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. we have to humble ourselves we have to be submitting to Christ. And that's the humility that Jesus is teaching. Why is that so important? Because if we are not humble, if we do not enter from the narrow door, then we will miss out on God's banquet, right? And that's not what we want. And I hope that's not what you want. Verse 23, when you look back, says that someone asked Jesus this question. We don't know who. It could have been one of the crowds. It could have been one of the Pharisees who Definitely thought they had the answers. They had the keys to heaven. Maybe it could have been one of his disciples that was really close to Jesus, and he's like, "Hey, what does it take, Jesus?" We don't know who, but the question. But one thing that is pretty clear is that person who answered asked that question was pretty confident that he, he or her, they were safe. That they got this, because if they weren't sure then I'll be too scared to ask that question. He, they thought, he or she definitely thought that I am going into heaven. I'm safe. I'm in. But I'm just asking this question just to make sure. But to that very attitude, Jesus responds. In that answer, the response was pretty shocking to this Jewish leader or the person who was seeking that. Jesus says, basically, if you think, that you're going into heaven just because you're the, in the line of Abraham and in, in the, the heritage and the, the Jewish line, then you got it all wrong. If also, if you think you, you're going to go to heaven because of what you've done and what you've accomplished and how well you lived your life, then you're also getting it wrong. Jesus is saying that it's about trusting in me, trusting in Christ Jesus as our Savior, and do we have a relationship with him? And that is the key. The narrow door that we must enter, is Jesus himself. Because the Jewish leaders, these people, did not see Jesus as the one who they need to enter through, submitting themselves and appreciating all that he's done because their thought was, who is this guy trying to preach preach to us and telling us to repent? Who is this guy? So Jesus is actually the very narrow door or the gate Because we know in other parts of Scripture that Jesus is the gate to take us to our Father, right? So Jesus is the narrow door. And this message was shocking to these Jewish people. Verse 29, it's even more shocking. It says, People will come from east, west, north, and south, and will take their place at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last, who will be first, and first who will be last. We discover that the message of salvation is not just for the Jews, not just for those, the in people, but those who are humble enough to enter into that narrow door, humble themselves. And here it says, northeast, west, and south. And that represents the Gentiles of all over the world. People from all over the world. It doesn't have to be a Jewish origin, but whoever submits, whoever expresses their desire to submit under Jesus Christ, they are the ones who enter into the kingdom and the banquet of God. And that was extremely shocking to these Jewish leaders because they thought these Gentiles that do not know the law, they who have not been obeying these laws for years and years, they are the furthest away, farthest away from the banquet of God. They thought they were in. But to that, Jesus says, the last will be first. The least of those who they thought that was going to enter, is the first to come in. And they're like, what? We're, we're, we're they, they, They're in before us. I mean, the chapter, or verse 30, captures the shift in history, this dynamic that is incredibly, incredible change in the history that once was for the Jewish people. Now it is available for all race and, and people all over the world that is made possible by Christ Jesus. And that's what we see in chapter, verse 30. But we also see this shift in culture. But what we also see is a prophetic word by Jesus. That the last, the first will be last. See, the first, they're talking about the Jews. And later on we find out that when the Jews repent and they proclaim Jesus, then I will come back. There's a prophetic element to this that is really, really interesting. Now, just think about it for a minute. So we're talking about this big old banquet. This ball, this, I don't know, this party that is an ex- exclusive party. And who do you think that gets invited to these? I'm, I'm talking about strictly this, this world, you know. We think of these banquets, and we're like, okay, so the people who are famous, people who are the family of the host, people who are, have accomplished certain things that they've been invited to. Right? I mean, that's our image of this nice party. Not everybody could just walk in and just go there. There's usually a security guard that's sitting there and it's like checking for IDs or do you have an invitation. So we think of this banquet as something, this exclusive club. But let's, let's stand back for a minute because we're kind of like that mindset of these Jewish people that was asking Jesus this question. We like this idea of exclusive clubs because that makes us feel special. And I'll tell you what, I mean, like, you know, credit cards, like the gold member, or the platinum rank, or the platinum class. I mean, we we like that. I mean, we 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 strive for that because you know what? That makes us feel good, right? And if you see somebody who has this platinum card, it's like, whoa, he's probably like up there. Like that's like the image that we have. So even unconsciously, we are creating this. Uh, this plot that the world is trying to teach us that you got to move up, keep moving up that those, those status and class that really motivates us, right? To keep moving up. You got to be better. You got to keep moving. But the principle of Jesus and the kingdom of God is absolutely the opposite. We're going to get that in a minute, but you know where I see this a lot of this envy for like higher class. I just, came back from a trip to Japan, and when you're at this, you know, airport, boarding, you definitely see that, you hear the announcement, those with the gold numbers, please come inside, you're the first to come in, you know, and then they make you go through, economy class, they make you go through this business class to, like, feel kind of shame, right, you know, it's like, dude, they're like, why, wow, man, I don't get, this. you know, you see that, you know how the world is setting us up to, like, feel like, oh, we got to get there, you know what I mean? I mean, we feel like, and then those who are sitting in there, you, you think, oh man, they got it all together. They, that's just like how we think. There's this exclusive people who get to enjoy the privileges of life. And, and that's what the world encourages and motivates and move up. But like I said earlier, the kingdom of God, the God's banquet tells us to go down. Isn't that interesting? To go humble yourself. Is that is the only line of Abraham that gets to enter the banquet of God? Is the people or the only people who have made perfection with the law or who have accomplished many things are those the only people who get to enter the kingdom of God? Of course not. But Judaism, at that you know, with the leaders around them, was becoming like this exclusive club, and the status and, and, and their accomplishments were so important that led to them feeling like pride. We got this kind of pride. But none of those things impresses God. Certainly none of those things will get us into that banquet. So what does get us into the banquet? Our efforts. Jesus says, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Our effort of putting ourselves lower, humbling ourselves. That is what gives us this entrance. Jesus wanted to challenge his beloved Jewish friends, because he was a Jew himself, and he definitely—I mean, he loved all people—but these Jewish people, they were special. They were his friends. There was his family. There was his brothers and sisters that says, "Please, you guys, please understand that it is not about the status. It is not about our accomplishment. It is not about how the line of Abraham. Because now I'm going to make that available for everybody." And he absolutely wanted these Jewish friends to know this here, right here, in his writing, what he said that day. So he did. He challenged them. But eventually, that got these Jewish people, eventually to kill Jesus on the cross. So he laments, thinking about what's to come. Verse 34, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who killed the prophets and the stone, those those sent to you. How, I, how often I have longed to gather your children together as hen, gather her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Verse 35, look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Isn't it ironic? Because we're going to cover this in weeks to come later in Luke we find out that this is exactly the word that the Jews said when Jesus came on a donkey coming into Jerusalem they thought okay well he is the king we got to be he got to be the king because we're so done with this oppression of the Roman empire and he he has to be the king he has got to be the messiah they put a temporary hope into this messiah Jesus but then once they saw Jesus and that's the day where they said hosanna to Hosanna to the highest. And he says, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That's exactly what's said. And that is is taken from Psalms 118. That is the song that they sang at this Passover feast. And they said that to Jesus. He is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he. Hosanna, they proclaim. But one week later, just one week later, they given up on hope because they saw Jesus in trial. They saw Jesus being accused. And they're like, wait, never mind. He cannot be the warrior savior that we were anticipating. In the week, everything changed. So they demanded Jesus to die on the cross. Now I put this right back to you this morning. Can you say those words? Hosanna today from the bottom of your heart, say, you know what Hosanna means? It says, God is my salvation. God, save me. You are the one who rescued me. That is the meaning behind Hosanna. It is our proclamation. And can you say that? A genuine Hosanna to God this morning. I hope so. Because that is what we need. Um, my father-in-law um, named my wife, Hosanna, so that people in Japan, uh, she grew up in Japan, um, going to school and going to different places. Whenever people call her name Hosanna, he thought that's, they might not know this, but they're proclaiming the name of the God, Mm -hmm. the Lord. You know, he's like using that name so that people could proclaim the, the name of God and say, God, save us. Right, And that dream and hope is that one day that Hosanna could be genuine in their lives. And when Hosanna is genuine, a cry from your heart says, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, if that is our cry today, your song that we sing, please be assured that you will be part of the banquet of God that is waiting for you. And that day, may come at any time. And here's the kicker. Here's the key. Are we ready to submit to that? Are we ready to, just like Caroline said earlier, are we ready to kneel with our fully blessed and healed body, to kneel to Him? Because when we are healed, When we are blessed, it's easy for us to say, okay, I got this, and just keep walking away. See, when we have God experiencing in our lives, when we see and encounter God, it is for us to kneel. It is for us to humble ourselves, to enter through the narrow door and say, Hosanna from our knees, because He is the one who could save, right? Amen, church? He's the only one who gives us salvation, and that has to come from our knees. I want to share a story and then finish this time up but when i was at the church uh, in japan a few weeks ago i preached there and uh, one of the services they have five different services and i got to preach in all five of them it was exciting and i we wish we could be like that one day you know having five services but anyways one service there was this man let's call him uh mr m okay and he uh was this it was second time coming to church but he just loved it because People embrace him. People call him. Remembered his name, and called him and says, "Hey, welcome, welcome." And you know what, folks? That's why we do this. We put our name tags, you know, because we all could call each other our first names. In other areas of the world, we may we we may have titles, profession, you know, like we have a formal saying, but not all of our, everybody have that. But here, everybody. It has a first name. That's a common denominator. That's why we have these name tags. So that we could call each other by our first names and we could feel invited. We could feel welcome, every single one of us, right? So that's why we do that. And that's, that's when I saw him and when he shared that story, I was like, man, that's so good. That's so cool that we get to do name tags because we get to remember each other's name. And sometimes it's awkward to ask people's name after a couple of weeks, right? But now with the name tag, we could just look at it and know their names, right? So that's why we do this. But, anyways, going back to Mr. M, he said, you know, this was his second time at service, and he was enjoying that. And he loved it. But he told me, he's like, well, one day, I, I, I really I hope to believe in Jesus. And I was like, oh, one day. Well, you know what I found out? Um, he has terminal illness, stage four cancer. And I was like, when is that one day? And around that time, this choir people came, and just they just love on them. So we're like sitting down after church, hanging out. And one of the, one of the ladies, one of my friends said that, you know, Mr. M, I don't like it when you say that. <laughs> she was like, whoa, because I had a close, somebody very close to me that always said, one day I want to believe in Jesus. But before that day came, she got in an accident and died. And she's like, I, I never want to see that ever again. And she was tearing up. And that really hit Mr. M. And I was like, man, this is a wonderful opportunity to ask him. And I asked him, would you like to accept Jesus today? You want to believe in Jesus today so that this the decision you make today will assure you that you have a tomorrow. You have time that you will enter into the God's banquet. And he looked at me and says, yes, I want to believe. Yeah, it was awesome and then you know so that was a day where i was preaching so my father-in-law was you know somewhere else right but we had this conversation he's like oh i accept so i was like now what but everybody's cheering he's like oh you accepted jesus and then all of a sudden my father-in-law came out of nowhere he's just like he walked by and says oh mr m you got you accepted jesus congratulations so now let's get you baptized i'm like whoa that he came <laughs> in a perfect timing it was God sent, so he brought out this, you know, because he was too ill to go into the water tank. So we sprinkled water, and all of a sudden, there was this beautiful baptism on the spot, spontaneously. And there, and you know, I, I've left Japan since then. I don't know how well he is, but I'm sure he's going to church right now. But he could rest assured that this banquet is now his, and you know that. When I experienced that, I was like, dude, that's what church is all about. People gather around and and celebrate salvation, celebrate the name of that person, be written on the book of life and and gather. And we all prayed and cheered and it was so beautiful. And I was like, man, that's the church that I dream of. You know, people calling each other by their first name and encouraging each other to make the decision, the most important decision that we, one, could ever possibly make. To make a decision to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. And, and we get to embrace all people from all different walks of life. But we want to make sure we don't become this exclusive club where, oh, we are better than your that type of attitude. We just never want to do that because... That's the completely opposite of what Jesus did. He made, this in, includes, so to, he made it possible to include every single one. Let us do that ourselves here at this place. We may not have terminal illness. But just like we have mentioned in the beginning, everyone must die. There will be a day where we will have to say goodbye to this life here on earth. And we don't know when that is. But our response today, not tomorrow, but today, opens up the door to this great banquet of God. And this has to happen before it's too late, because we know that the door of that banquet will one day close. And you may say, Oh, I ate with you. I drank with you. You came to preach on our streets. You came to preach at our church. How come I'm left out? Come on. Well, if Jesus isn't the narrow door that we enter through, then that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't matter. What's important is that you know Him and that He knows you. And there is a relationship. I want to end with this. James 4.14 says, Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? James says, You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Church, life is a mist. It's a vapor. It could be gone any minute. Some of your parents could see that already because your kids are so grown up now. You're like, what happened to time? What happened to them? Life is a vapor, church. and We want to make sure that we make the most important decision every one of us, and to be a church that could continue to encourage that very important decision in other people, making every effort so as a church we could humble ourselves and enter through the narrow door every day. Another translation says, strive to enter through the narrow door every single day. Can we do that, church? Let's put our trust in Jesus. And when we know that this hope, there's an eternal hope, let us live like what James says here. Instead. May our focus be following the will of God and wherever He leads us, however long He makes us live. But in that lifetime, we'll do this or that if it is God's will. May that be us as a church. All right, here we go. Weekly challenge. Can we look at this? You know, the no part. Please, oh, by the way, if you have your phones going to take it out take a picture take it with you so that this stays with you let's be intentional about this throughout this week all right so read luke 13 to 35 what does this passage speak to you about the attitude we should receive or attitude we should have in receiving salvation it is an important question for every one of us to revisit that and now grow are you making every effort to enter through the narrow door every effort come on are we doing that And now how does this invitation from Jesus influence the way we live as Christians? And now overflow. Let's read Psalm 118, 26 to 29. That's where it says, first time, where it says, Blessed are the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's found in Psalm 118. How can your life reflect those words from Psalm? And now I want to add one more thing. Today at the festival, please, now that name tags are now worn by every single one of the church, Get to know someone that you've never talked to. Talk to them. Can we do that, church? Like a practical way of overflowing right after this service. Let's do that because, you know, you know each other, but there are people I know you don't know yet. So get to know them and hear their stories. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this beautiful Sunday. As we get gather and proclaim the name of the Lord. We could say, Hosanna, you are my salvation. Blessed are the one who comes in the name of the Lord. May we continue to invite and accept Jesus. And may we humble ourselves and enter through the narrow door, the gate that Jesus became for us. May we not be conceited. May we not be prideful and say that we got the answer. We got this. And it's okay. We don't need to work hard anymore. May we be the ones continuously and always be humble and doing and be appreciative of all that you've done with a humble heart, with a grateful heart. May we continue to strive to enter through the narrow doors each and every day of our lives so that we are ready to encounter you at this great banquet that we eventually have, Lord. So we thank you for the hope that we have, and through you in Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, church, let's continue to worship. Let's stand for this last song. be your name church why you clap with me blessed be your name when i'm found in the desert place so oh, i walk through the wilderness blessed be your name